again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing podcast. We include boxing, MMA, kickboxing, Muay Thai, whatever I'm really feeling talking about the uh, combat sports landscape. I am your host, the Rhino. I'm here with my main man, my engineer, D. Reigns. And man, we had quite the interesting <laughs> evening last night from UFC Norfolk. Uh, first of all, I'm only going to go over the main card plus give out my big balls award from the prelims. Uh, so let's just get right into it, man. Uh, oh, before I don't want to bury the lead, before I get too far ahead, we do have a great interview with Bellator fighter Josh Hill, a former WSOF fighter, longtime uh, Canadian 135er, really, really great guy. Very cool interview, so stay tuned for that. We're also going to be going over your uh, your uh, Twitter questions, your call-in questions. And, uh, yeah, man, let's just dive right into UFC Fight Night in Norfolk. So first one on the main card was Grant Donson versus Derek uh, Miner. Uh, again, this was a pretty quick fight, and if there will be a theme for this, folks, the the theme for the evening on the main card was pretty quick fights. So, uh, Dawson defeated Miner by sub. It was a rear naked at just one thirty eight around one. I mean, come on, dude, <laughs> that was just like you blinked and it was over. Um, yeah, I got nothing more on that one. Uh, Megan Anderson, the six foot Australian, now training out of the Kansas City area with uh, James Krause, big balls, James Krause. Uh, came out and easily just ran right through this Norma Dumont. Norma Dumont, I kind of was interested in. I hadn't seen her fight before. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing what kind of she could bring to the table until I heard her chosen nickname, The Immortal. No, 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 young lady. I apologize for being crass, but no fucking way are you allowed to call yourself The Immortal when Matt Brown is walking this earth. Matt Brown is, was, and always will be The Immortal in MMA. So... She comes out, they trade a little bit. Megan kind of cocks back with her giant six-foot frame, throws just a straight two, and then, bink, Norma falls to the ground. She tries to finish her little GMP. It was over. Once again, a real quick victory for old Megan Anderson at uh, 331 around one. I did enjoy the call out uh, at the end, again, for Amanda Nunez. The, uh, she's like, what, do you guys want to save me fight Amanda or whatever? And so the crowd really was into it. So, yeah, so maybe she's a possibility. But there was another 145er, which we'll get to in a minute, who I think had, lays a better claim to, def- to going after uh, Amanda Leo. Leo, not the lioness <laughs> for her next fight. So moving our way down the card, we had the controversial fight of the evening. We had Magomed Ankilev versus Ayan Kutalaba. Uh, so what happens is Kutalaba, I've said it before and I'll say it again. And for those of you who follow me on Twitter, I actually said I can't fucking stand him before the fight. So then what happened in the fight makes it even worse. And those of you who watched last night, no. Those of you who didn't watch last night, I'm here to tell you. They come out and, well, first of all, before the even bell even rings, uh, Kudalaba, being Mr. fucking Charlie Chapass, walks over and, like, literally gets in the face of Magomed, and Magomed pivots him and throws him against the cage while security has to separate them. So then finally the bell rings. They come out. They're trading some stuff. And then Ankalev hits him with a leg kick. A high kick, excuse me. Hit, hit, throws another high kick. Throws a couple punches, then another high kick. Nothing landed super duper clean, but it looked like it staggered Kudalaba for a second, right? He kind of did the old uh, wobble and kind of rolled his eyes back for a second. And then the referee jumped in and stopped the fight. Kudalaba was immediately there. He threw a big wide winging right hand right as the referee was stopping it. 
Was he hurt? I don't think that much. You know what I mean? I think he might have got stunned. And so now the narrative has become he was playing possum and trying to bait Magomed in to throw one of those huge bombs. Is that possible? Sure, it's possible. Uh, was it a bad stoppage? Yes, it was way too quick. We don't stop fights, McDonald. We don't stop fights when someone gets rocked on the feet. Um, I hated I hated the Ronda Rousey stoppage against Amanda because she was on her feet, dude. If you're fucking that hurt, yeah, you can be out on your feet, and you know you don't want to take people to take too much damage, but you also, they're fighters, dude. You got to let them be able to fight. How many times have we seen somebody rocked on the feet and then be able to come back and win? How, dude, remember when Anthony Johnson fucking <laughs> sent DC across the fucking cage and he rumbled, rumbled I mean, hit him so hard. DC came back and won. You got to give fighters a chance to come back, gather themselves, fight through the fucking adversity. That's that's three-fourths of what fighting is. It's pushing yourself past the limits of what you think you can do in certain situations. He had every opportunity to, or he should have been given the opportunity to fight through it. He wasn't hurt. Was it a dumbass move to play possum like that and make it look like you were more hurt than you were? Yes, it was. And I don't like irons. I don't give a fuck too much. But it was a terrible stoppage. We'll get more into it later. But again, they, they stopped the fight at just 38 seconds of round one. The win goes to Magomed, who had no... I mean, there was that guy couldn't have done anything different. He was fighting a good fight. He threw a nice combination. And Ion Kudalaba is the one who's a... Dude, made the fucking mistake. So I've got... Yeah, there's, that's all I can say about that. Uh, moving our way up to another 145 female fight. We had Felicia Spencer versus Zara... I'm going to say Farine or Fairn. Uh, I know Zara was coming from uh, uh, from France. Felicia, who they said was originated in, in Canada, now trains out of Florida. At any rate, Felicia Spencer is a fucking tough son of a gun. She's got great takedown. She's got great ground and pound. She gave Cyborg a good fight for being as much less experienced as she is than Cyborg was. And I really like her. I like her attitude. I like how hard she fights. And that girl is attractive okay she's as as i saw a lot of last night on my twitter that she's thick with the double c's uh beautiful beautiful tough tough everything you're looking for with for a uh 145er it immediately took zara Farron down and just pounded the fuck out of her and you know conversely to the kutalaba fight I thought Murgliata stopped it a little bit too late. She was landing some nice, sharp elbows and punches on top for a while. I thought it could have been stopped at least 15, 20 seconds earlier than it was. Unfortunately, it's at the discretion of the referee. I think Zara took more shots than she needed to, but it wasn't Felicia Spencer's fault at all. She looked great. She also is, is called out Amanda, uh, the lioness. So, you know, Nunez kind of has to pick with the UFC. I bet, I bet they got to ask her, like, hey, do you want to fight Anderson or do you want to fight Felicia? I think Felicia is the one that's going to draw more and it's going to be more of an exciting fight. We've seen Megan get worked by lesser talent than Amanda, you know. So I'd like to see Felicia Spencer. I think she's um, shored up some of the deficiencies that she had against Cyborg. And I'd really like to see that fight. I, I'm far more interested in that. So we'll see what the UFC decides to put together. Oh, and then the heartbreaker, man. I was, <laughs> I'm like dreading having to go into this. The heartbreaker. So the backstory of the 125 vacant, 125 belt uh, championship fight last night was that uh, Figueredo missed weight. He missed weight by two and a half pounds. I, I can't, dude, how the fuck do you miss weight for a championship fight? It boggles the mind. 
Joseph Benavidez, a guy who, I mean, a lot of us love. He's got a great attitude. He's always been a really hard worker. He's always had great footwork, kind of a smaller Dom Cruz type, you know, kind of a get in, get out, great footwork. Uh, long type team alpha male prod doesn't, doesn't train there anymore. And then and out from like the sensitive side of things, he's married to Megan O'Leavy. Backstage is a Megan O'Leavy, one of the cutest, sweetest human beings in the actual game of MMA. So they're married. They're super cute. We all, I mean, not we all, but most of us love him, love the way he fights. He's only lost to really top tier guys. You know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, everything's right, right? Figueredo has missed weight. It's going to fuck with his mind. Joseph Benavidez, everyone's pushing for him. It's going to be, this is his night, you know what I mean? And then the first round was pretty close. They both landed a lot of stuff, nothing too major, major. And then in the second round, boy, their heads collide. Joseph gets a nasty cut. Uh, kind of on his hairline, which starts to bleed. He starts pawing at it. Then uh, Figueredo hits him with a big body shot, kind of sends him back into the cage, and then just measures him for a huge straight to right to the fucking mush, puts him on his ass, gets over him, tries, you know, and finishes him off. Fucking ref stops the fight at 154 of round two with a clean KO. And then, like, the air just kind of left. You know what I mean? Not necessarily the building, although the building was kind of mixed, booing and not being cool with him missing weight. But, like, all of us on Twitter were like, no, you know, Benavidez, no. And then in his pure class, of course, afterwards, was like, man, I feel like I'm in a nightmare. I trained so hard for this. I wanted it so bad, blah, 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 blah. People go through hard times, and mine's on display for everyone to see. And, dude, you just feel so much for the guy. Uh, Figueredo, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say that he was a dick in victory, but he didn't have much humility. He just kind of quasi apologized for missing weight. If it was myself, I would have made a real point in contention being like, I will never let this happen again and so on and so forth. So uh, what happens now? I mean, I've got a I've got a question, Twitter question later that's going to kind of address a little bit more, but we'll get into that. So, yeah, bad, bad night for those of us who are Joe Benavidez fans and uh so we'll talk about what happens next for the flyweight division after that. Um, I do, I do want to get into my picks for uh, for next week's card, but really quickly, I want to just cover real quick the boxing. There was a couple of big boxing matches last night uh, from the Star, which is in Frisco, Texas. It's like the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. You had Mikey Garcia coming off of you know his loss to Errol Spence, staying at 147, fighting uh, kind of a young, kind of a I don't know Jesse Vargas, kind of an upper middle tier guy. Uh, Mikey Garcia had a tougher fight than I thought he was going to, but he looked good. He absolutely won the fight. Uh, so Mikey Garcia, and then my man Jim Massoon has a question later about what I see next for Mikey. But again, he's it looks like he's choosing to stay at welterweight, so he could easily drop down to 40. You know what I mean? He's not a real lean 47, but Mikey Garcia, Jesse Vargas, very close, very competitive fight. Good job on Mikey Garcia. And then what made me even happier than that was Roman Gonzalez, Chocolito from Nicaragua, uh, beat Khalid Yafel, another undefeated upstart for the WBA World Flyweight title. All boxing fans who still enjoy the smaller weight classes, we all know Chocolito. He is a surefire Hall of Famer. If you watch this, this guy's career, he is so fun to watch. Huge output for his little size. Nice little firecracker power on that guy. Very cool to see him turn back the clock a little bit after some rough times his last few fights. So, yeah, big shout-out to you, Chocolito, for getting back in the win column, uh, beating this young stud and Khalid Yafai. Very, very cool. Big shout-out to Mikey Garcia for beating Jesse Vargas. 
And yes, folks, remember, we are not just an MMA podcast. We cover boxing, too. Not super in-depth. We're not going to cover the whole landscape all the time, but I'm always going to interject it into the show when there's something of note. So, yeah, very cool to watch that card last night as well. Uh, So now, yeah, before we get into our Twitter questions and whatnot, I definitely want to throw my picks out there for uh, for next week's huge pay-per-view. So I'm only going to do the main card, as I tend to do. So we're going to start with Cowboy Oliveira versus Max Griffin at 155. I definitely have Max Griffin winning this fight. I like Cowboy Oliveira. I like a lot of the stuff that he does until I heard about this terrible possible uh, criminal situation that he had going on in his in his native Brazil. I don't know exactly all the details that came from that, but that made me less than a fan of the guy, if even some of it is true. So um, I'm definitely going with Max Griffin. I'm going with second-round TKO. Uh, for Griffin over Cowboy Oliveira. Uh, our next fight is uh, Jing Liang versus Magni. Magni, longtime UFC guy, has taken a lot of time off in recent years. Uh, you know, I'm sure to injury and to whatever else he had going on in his life, but uh, Jing Liang is a fucking stud, and I'm going to go with him on this one. I think his power is going to be the main difference. I think Magni's going to want to take to the ground, and I don't think. Uh, Jing Liang is going to let him do it. So I'm going to say unanimous decision for Jing Liang over Neil Magny. Uh, moving our way up to the next fight, we have Benil Daryush versus Drakkar Close. Now, Benil Daryush is a good fucking fighter. Out of Kings MMA, has had some good wins. He's had some pretty terrible knockout losses. Drakkar Close is one of those guys, I remember him in the LFA. I remember him making his way up. He's a Michigan guy, so of course, I got to have a little bit of a fucking uh, lean towards him on that one, but even besides that, I feel like his capability on the feet is really what's going to be the difference. I like Drakkar close in this one. This may be a little bit of an upset for some, but I really do see Drakkar kind of getting his step out there into the spotlight a little bit more. So I think he's going to beat Benil Daryush uh, by unanimous decision. So again, I got a UD for Drakkar over Benil. Now, nah, moving our way to the first championship fight of the card, uh, coming from the T-Mobile Arena, I believe, in... Uh, Vegas, I believe, is where they're fighting next week. So, yeah, that's right. So we've got Wiley Zhang versus Joanna J.J. Young Jacek. Longtime strawweight champion. uh, Amazing kickboxer, and I'm talking about J.J. I I think she's going up against a buzzsaw, man. I think the 115-pound strawweight division has never, and I'm including J.J. in this, I'm including Rose, I'm including Cookie Monster, everybody. They have never had a champion that's going to have this kind of dominant run i just smell it i see it on the horizon i'm telling you wiley zhang is the fucking truth i think she's gonna batter jj i think jj is gonna be able to use her teeps and her jab to kind of keep her off early but i think as the fight wears on she's gonna keep closing the distance and wiley is gonna fuck jj up i'm saying third round like a merciful third round stoppage for zhang she's gonna retain the title jj is gonna lose again uh, sad state of affairs, but I really think that's what's going to happen. So I got again, I got Zhang over JJ in a third round TKO, and I think it's going to be pretty one sided after that first round. I think the first round JJ can keep it close, and then it's going to be fucking taken off for Zhang. So that's my call on that one. And now the piece of this results is the fucking <laughs> middleweight title between Israel, the last style bender out of Zanye, and Yoel Romero. I mean, Gosh, this one, this one was hard, man. I went back and forth. I know Yoel's coming off two L's, and that kind of caused a lot of people to be upset with the fact that he got the shot. But it's still a very exciting matchup. It's 
it's not exactly the old school striker versus grappler, but there's a lot of elements of that, right? Izzy, great kickboxer. Yoel, Olympic wrestler. Izzy, young. Yoel, older than me by like two or three years, man. He's he's up there, but he's a freak of nature, dude. He looks younger. He's he's ripped to the gills. The dude's a goddamn muscle machine. The big thing I, I think that makes the difference for me is you got an 80-inch reach with with Izzy and a 73.5-inch reach with Yoel. That's humongous, dude. That means that if Yoel's going to throw those winging power shots, he's even got less room, right? The, the fact that Izzy can just pink, pink, pink him from the outside, move away, longer legs as well, keep him with the leg kicks, keep him with teeth, keep him with body kicks, keep him with jabs, keep him with quick, quick twos, and then get out, it's going to be really hard for Yoel to be able to get inside where he wants him to be, get him up against the, uh, against the cage, beat him up, slam him on the ground, work some ground and pound, look for submissions. I, I could see this going either way very clearly. However, I do need to make a pick, and I'm going to go with Israel Adesanya. I think Israel is going to, at some point, and I'm even going to double down. I'm even going to call my shot here. I'm calling fourth round TKO Israel Adesanya over Yoel Romero via a knee that starts it all. So he's going to hit him with a big knee, going to put Yoel on the ground, finish him up with a couple of shots while standing, while Yoel's on the ground. The ref's going to separate him, pull it off. Fourth round, TKO, Israel Adesanya over Yoel Romero is how I see it going for next week. So very excited for that. Very much looking forward to it. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. So now we're going to work our way into our Twitter questions uh, before I get into the voice questions. So my uh, my homies, my homies on the Twitterverse, you'd never let me down. You guys always come with the fire of questions. So the first one is going to be from my man Cyrus King, uh, who goes, <coughs> excuse me, he goes, I have a question, and do I think that Dana White still wants to get rid of the flyweight division? And now what's going to happen with Figueredo? because he missed weight and then won the fight. Do I think Dana White wants to get rid of it? I'm not sure. I, I've had my reservations with the 125 division in the past. I do think it's a little stronger now than it was. I think if Dana was going to get rid of any division, it would either be the women's 145 or men's 125. I think those are the two that are the most expendable, if you will. Uh, do, do I think Figueredo is going to get the next shot at the open title? Yeah, I do. Um, I think they're going to need to find the next the next best contender because Benavidez just lost and lost bad. They can't just, I don't know. Cejudo's never going back to 25. I don't think anyway. So they're going to have to find the next contender, give it some time, let some things, let the dust settle, if you will. Let the 25ers, you know, a few more fight, whoever kind of comes out of the top, have him fight uh, Figueredo for the 125 title. If he misses weight again, it happens again. We'll, we'll have that discussion at that point. I don't think that'll happen. So, that's what I would see. Do I see Dana really want to get rid of it? Not right now, but maybe eventually. And like I've I've been championing for a long time. I want to see a women's Adam weight, dude. I want to see women's 105. And I've said it before on this show. I said it on my old show. There is so much talent at 105 uh, in the landscape of women's MMA, particularly in Invicta. It will be the perfect feeder into the UFC. That's the division I'd really like to see enter the UFC. I, I would, I'd be okay with a 225. I'd be okay with a 165. I'd be fine with that. But first and foremost, I really want to see a 105 uh, atom weight for the women in the UFC. So we will wait and see what happens. Thank you so much, my man, Serious King. Uh, my next one from the Twitterverse comes from my dude, Phil, the MMA dude. 
He said, his question for me was, was the ion stoppage the worst stoppage I've ever seen in MMA history? In my opinion, that was the worst one. If you don't think so, what, in your opinion, was the worst one, and where does this one rank accordingly? So I had to think about it at length, buddy. Again, great question. Thank you, sir. Uh, and if you don't check out, you know, check out the Split Decision podcast if you guys don't already. Fantastic stuff. Him and the MMA geek. It's too funny the way they fucking go back and forth. But Phil, on this, as it comes to this question, I like the idea of uh, guys fighting through adversity, right? So. Ian got a little hurt and then really played possum and played it up like he was super hurt to try to draw Magomed in. It was a really bad stoppage. I think McDonald has been in the cage long enough to know that not necessarily that he was faking it, but that he really wasn't hurt that bad. Like nothing landed super duper hard. I, I, I do not think, as I was going back and thinking about it, I do not think there is another stoppage that is worse. I think there's a few that are probably on par with it, but I think you're right. I think this might, this is either tied or at number one for the worst possible stoppages in the history of at least the UFC. Yeah, dude, I'm with you on that one. So once again, big shout out to my homie. Uh, Phil, the MMA dude from the Split Decision Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. So now we're going to run into our uh, Twitter questions, our voice our voice questions. Uh, D-Rain is our first one coming from Juice. Is that what we got first? I'm getting the head shaking. Yes. Yeah. So our first question comes from a very, we're going to call him Elevated Juice from last night. Hey, Rhino. It's your boy Juice. I'm fighting with myself. And I'm not here to correct your pronunciation on a fighter's name. So much to say, Iwan Kutalaba and Magomed Ankalaev fight was bullshit, dude. That fucking, that fucking stoppage from Kevin McDonald, dude. Hashtag fuck Boston. So Juice, <laughs> Juice last night, my man Juice, one of my bestest friends on the MMA Twitter landscape, um, he was feeling the warm embrace of the devil's lettuce last night. He had really um, partaken to, you know, elevate himself and uh, relax from the fights last night. Uh, and just before anybody gets up in arms, he wasn't saying fuck Boston as in fuck the whole city. He was saying fuck McDonald. The ref, because he's from Boston, that's what that was about. There was no, not really about the city of Boston. Yeah, again, dude, that was a complete, it was a bullshit decision. Again, referees have a really hard job, but again, McDonald has been in there enough. He's been there a long time. He's roughed a ton of matches. He's got to be able to recognize that Kudalaba wasn't really that hurt. It was a bad stoppage. Yeah, he was on some bullshit last night. So, Juice, I hope you are. I hope you are still feeling very relaxed because you were very, very elevated last night. So check Juice out at uh, the Fighting With Myself podcast, one of my favorite ones, also on the landscape. Huge, huge big ups to you, my friend. Uh, so I believe our next one is going to be from Dave Fretz and a special guest. And Dave, take it away. Hey, what's up, Rhino? It's uh, your boy Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, got something a little bit different for you today. Um, I was up late. I was at the BTC 9 event rampage in Kitchener. So I'm short on questions today, but uh, Judah has a question for you. Who's your favorite boxer? Who's your favorite MMA fighter? Thanks, Rhino. We'll talk to you soon. 
Judah, my main dude. So what I I think I'm naming Judah, and I cleared it with Dave Fretz earlier. I think Judah is like the mascot of Combat Sports with Rhino. I think he is the, he is the, he's the best part of anybody's questions ever because he's just so funny and he's so cute. Uh, Judah, my favorite all time boxer. It's a tie between Mike Tyson and James Lights Out Tony. So those are my two favorite boxers of all time, and my all time two favorite. MMA fighters are Chuck Liddell and Cowboy Cerrone. And I mean everybody in their prime. Don't 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 come at me with that stuff that's happened lately with Cowboy, but all time, those are my those are my guys. So Judah, great question. Uh, my man Dave Fretz from at Solo Shoes and also at Dave Fretz. If you want to talk about f- being able to put on some great oh, I shouldn't have sworn on this one because I wanted Judah to hear it. So uh, lower that part on that one, Dave. But I want I, I I'm telling you guys, if you want your shoes to get your own personalized graphic designs on them, check out Solo Shoes at S-O-L-E, right? Solo shoes. They are so amazing what this guy can do. The Einstein of graphic design, my main man, D. Fret. So, yes, Judah, those are my guys. Thank you so much, Dave, for allowing my, my, my little homie, my mascot from Combat Sports with Rhino to join us today. So our next one comes from the big homie, Jim Assoon. And, Jim, what do you got for us today, buddy? Rhino, Jim Assoon, how you doing, big guy? My question for you is a boxing question this week because you are the man. Hope the training's going well. If it's still going, keep us in the loop, big guy. Anyways, Vargas Garcia last night. What do you think is next for Garcia? I think he won the fight. It was close, but I think he won it because of the knockdown and all. But that's my question for you, big guy. Keep up the great work. I love the podcast. It's always 420. Peace. My big guy, Jim Asun. I've said it before, and I'll say it every week, and I'll never get tired of it. It is not a combat sports with Rhino show without some sort of inclusion of you, my dude. So, yeah, for Garcia, here's, there was two names. When I heard your question, I really kind of studied it and looked at it. If, if he really wants to stay at 147, which is welterweight, there was two names that I really would like to see him go against. A, Keith One-Time Thurman. I love that fight. I think that fight would bring boxing fans i think it might bring some casuals uh, back to the screen i think that'll be really really cool he keith is only one ranking below mikey and i think they both have that style that would really lend itself to a really fun fan friendly contest in the boxing ring the other one was uh was yugas who i talked about a couple shows ago uh he's a couple ahead of mikey in the division i think that would be a fun one too but i think that might be a little bit more slow tempo and meticulous a little bit more technical i think keith one time thurman and mikey garcia would be a fantastic barn burner of a fight which we all love to see in our combat sports so yep that's my answer on that one keith one time thurman Jim, thank you so much for asking it, my dude. I really, really appreciate it, buddy. Uh, our last call-in question comes from the homie Ryan, also known as Mixed a Man from out there in Minnesota Way. And Ryan, what do you got for us today, my man? Rhino, it's your buddy Mixed a Man here. Hey, calling in with a shout-out to Sexy Yama for crushing the fuck out of that tuna can on 1FC. Um, and actually wanted to get your thoughts about kind of 1FC and some of the other players uh, outside of the UFC. You know, with Bellator's debacle last week where we had like three cards at all different times of hours and replays, I, I'm wondering if you see 1FC as kind of being the second runner-up to the UFC in the next couple of years. Their shows look beautiful. The broadcast is crisp and clear. And it's fun to watch. There's like a good mix of fights. So kind of wanted to get your thoughts on where you see them developing. Peace. 
Yeah, Ryan, that's a great question. And the thing about Ryzen and 1FC and some of the foreign promotions is you're right. A lot of them, particularly 1FC, which you referred to, have some really high-level talent. I mean, there are guys over there that we all know as American fans. There's guys in, in Ryzen that are like that. There's guys in Dream. Again, for me, and it's always going to come back to this, at least for now, and I was reminded of this last night when my fucking ESPN Plus kept buffering over and over again, particularly during the main card, was they've got to be on regular television, right? And since they, especially 1FC, which you're talking about, which you're right, has fantastic fucking production when they put on a show, it, the timing is never going to work out. It, a promotion, in order for it to be truly successful, uh, besides being on ESPN Plus or DAZN, needs to be on a TV channel, and it needs to be consistent. I, I know with the time difference, there would have to be some sort of happy medium, right? That I don't know what, what that exactly would be. Um you can't have a show on at 2 in the morning. I know there was all that discussion with TNT, but then when I would see one on TFT on TNT, it would be like just like a recap show with like highlights almost, not live. If, if you're going to make it work for a particularly an Asian promotion in America, there has got to be some sort of middle ground that gets figured out where we as Americans can watch it on live TV while the Asian fans are at the venue filling the seats and being able to watch it as well. Do I see them outscoring Bellator as far as numbers wise? Maybe, um, maybe in a year or two, they could be able to do that if they do exactly what I just said. The hard part for me is that Bellator. Yeah, you're right. While they're so fucking weird with their scheduling and how some's on the app and some's on the zone and some's on uh, Paramount, if they could just go and juice and I have talked about this before too. If they would just be on, Fucking, if they would just be on Paramount, right, or, or the Bellator app, that's fine for people who are mobile who have to who can't sit home and watch it. Just be on those things, keep the streaming out of it. Just keep it easy and keep it on Fridays, dude. Not Friday and Saturday, not the occasional Saturday, not the occasional Friday, not at four in the morning, not at nine p.m. None of that bullshit. Even if it's four, even if it's on foreign soil, have it be fucking consistent. Have it be on Fridays. Have it be on Paramount or the Bellator app if they want to do it that way. No more streaming, no more bullshit, but I don't think it's going to go that way. So, yeah, the long-winded answer to your question is I do think 1FC or another form promotion like Ryzen could, in fact, take the second place because I don't think – just PFL's not on enough, dude. You know what I mean? The tournament style, they don't have enough content to keep it going through 52 weeks a year. So, yeah, I think 1FC could absolutely do that in the very near future. So, great question, Ryan. I appreciate it, my man. So, so now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get into the interview portion of the – of the podcast today. I've decided to call this 10 rounds with Rhino. That's going to be my new segment as we're going to name it for my interviews, because I always do 10 questions. So each question, each round. And so I'm not calling him my opponent because he's not my opponent, but my guy I got in there today is newly signed, newly fought Bellator 135er, Josh Hill, Josh, the gentleman Hill from up in uh, the great white North of Canada. Josh had his uh, Bellator, Tour promotional debut uh, a couple weekends ago, fought and won. So we've got Josh Hill online. Josh, how are you today, sir? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing great up here. It's a, uh, I know you're a Canadian, man. We are in Michigan, which may as well be Canada as far as weather. Yeah, you're close by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Um, so yeah, it's actually pretty nice for us today. I think it's mid 40s. The sun's out. Can't complain. It's not bad. Yeah, it's yeah. probably better. 
Yeah, definitely, dude. Um, so yeah, what we've basically decided to do, Josh, is uh is name this segment Ten Rounds with Rhino. Today it's featuring Josh the Gentleman Hill. So I'm gonna have ten questions for you. You can go as short or as long on them as you want. You are you are in control, my man. So I'm gonna go ahead and hit cool. you with the first one if you are ready to rock. Ready to go, buddy. Yeah, awesome. sounds good. Cool. All right, Josh. Our first question today is one I love to ask uh, all my guests because I, th- I always find it so interesting and how different the stories are for each person. What was kind of the genesis of Josh Hill's fighting career? Like what got you into fighting to begin with? I I never actually really planned. uh, It just kind of happened. You know, I was playing junior hockey up until 21 years old, and that was kind of my outlet to release aggression, I guess. And uh, I knew that was coming to an end, and I was just at my local gym uh, one day, and I seen a a grappling class going on in the corner in, uh, in the side room. And I just, you know, I always love fighting. I've always watched, you know, Pride and UFC back in the day. And uh, and I just tried it out. And, like, you know, the, everybody thought I was a wrestler coming in there. Uh, I guess just maybe for my build. And, you know, I was taking guys down, kind of not knowing what I was doing, but I was getting takedowns. Sure. And uh, so the next day I signed up. And uh, I think about two months later I did my first jiu-jitsu tournament and, and won, the, won the, the whole thing. And it just kind of took off. I just fell in love with it, man. And then uh, – I think about I'd say year year and a bit later I had my first pro fight, um, I mean, my first fight ever actually I never had <laughs> really any amateur fights. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're training and uh, the coaches is just like you know there's a pro show in, in two weeks um, at 1:45 it'll be on TV, uh, it'll be on the Score um, which was you know a big channel here in Canada and that's now Roger Sportsnet. Um, and do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And, um, it kind of just took off <laughs> and lo and behold, here we are 20 some odd fights later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Uh, you fought plenty of big name, big name guys, Josh, in your career. You've been in some big promotions, the WSOF did Bellator, uh, last weekend. Did that feel any different? What did it feel bigger? Was there like a, you know, some of that cage jitters that kind of go on when you get to a bigger show? Was there any of that for you? Not really. Once I'm in there, it doesn't matter if I'm fighting, you know, a Bellator or some local show. It doesn't really change anything. But uh, it, it was fun to just to see the process, you know, behind the behind the scenes and how professional they are with everything and, and how coordinated they are. And, like, they have a set schedule. Like, for my fight, um, they, you know, that guy came in while I was warming up. He's like, listen, this fight ends uh, in, a, in a finish here. We're taking you out right away. If not, we're taking you out, like – three minutes and 35 seconds in the third round we're coming out you know so it's like so strategic yeah um so that's pretty cool to see all the the backstage stuff like that and and they put on such an amazing show i, I really like what bellator does um you know scott coker you know i think he's he's the best man and he kind of takes that old school pride style and he makes it like a cool show as well. And so I think that's really cool for the fighters. They love that, you know? Yeah, definitely. He's, he's always been kind of seen as like a fighters, a fighters promoter, a fighters boss. Absolutely. Um, Can you walk us through, and I don't mean to bring back tough memories. (laughs) Can you walk us through what it's like to, to stand across the cage with someone like Marlon Marias, one of the best fighters, literally one of the best fighters in the world. And you did not once, but twice, correct? Yeah, twice. Yeah. What's yeah. That, what's, can you walk me through that process? Because, like, as a pro fighter myself, and now the heavyweights are different because looking at a guy who's six six, three hundred pounds, it's very intimidating, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Just just looking at you, like, holy shit, what am I going to do? But for those of us who are into fighting, who know what a savage, goddamn killer that Marla was, can you kind of walk me through the process? What was that like, man, to to go up against that guy not once but twice? 
It was it was great, man. Um, you know, those fights, I think, you know, the first one, especially, I think a lot of people just thought he was going to run through me. You know, a lot of people thought they, you know, I was going to come out and try and wrestle with him, you know, get the takedown stuff and probably get knocked out. Um, but I think I, I opened a lot of eyes in that fight. Um, you know, I was probably in that organization, really the only one that really gave him good goes, really. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, I, yeah, and if you look at our first fight, you know, I went the, the, the full 25 minutes and, I mean, damage-wise, if you look at him and look at me after the fight, like, he was he was all busted up. His nose was broken. He had cuts all over the place, and I didn't have, like, really a scratch on me. Um, but, you know, he's 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 an amazing fighter. You know, Marlon, Marlon's awesome. Um, and, you know, even, I, uh, you know, losing the decision, it still um, kind of gave me even more confidence because it showed that I did belong in that upper echelon of top guys in the world. Right. and kind of proved myself, and... Uh, you know, people thought I was like more so just a wrestler, grappler, grinder, and and I showcased all my skill sets in that fight. Uh, and then the second fight, you know, I that, that fight sucked because I felt so good in there. You know, what I mean, we, uh, it was after the first round. I just I felt I could see you know his punches coming. I felt good on my feet. I felt my cardio was great. And then I just you know one wrong move, I kind of like changed levels as he threw the kick up, and it just right. caught me directly under the jaw my, the, and kind of like the my neck area and then he put me out and finished me off but uh so that was that was uh, i felt better that fight than i did even in the first fight so it really sucked that i didn't get a chance to you know you know go longer than a round and a half sure or but again man those of us who watched it were just again i was not familiar with your career at that point and then i see you fight in the first fight and i'm like who the fuck is this guy Where the fuck <laughs> yeah. this guy come from? this is a fucking yeah. this guy is amazing and and that was the first time and i even said it earlier uh, on the show that was my that was my introduction to you and what a fucking way mm -hmm. to what a way to make an introduction man it was awesome so yeah we <laughs> you know everybody who's done it long enough we all get caught yeah, oh, at yeah. some point or another, anybody who says they that they wouldn't is a fucking liar or an idiot or both. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we're gonna switch gears a little bit on our next one. Uh, next one, Josh. So, oftentimes on MMA Twitter, which I'm a part of that community, uh, the 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 thought or the idea of who's like the Mount Rushmore of mm. of MMA fighters. So it's usually the same six or seven guys boiled down to four. But for yeah. you, being a representative of the Great White North. Besides yeah. GSP, because that's a given. I need three more guys from Canada who you would put next to GSP on the Canadian Ooh. Mount Rushmore of MMA fighters. This is a good question, right? I'm a very oh, good interviewer. Shit. That is good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never thought about that, man. Shit, that's, oh, that's a tough one. I, so, I need three more Canadians. Yeah, you want? just three more Canadians. And they don't cool. even necessarily have to be the for sure best, like statistically, just like the, your three favorite. Other Canadian fighters besides GSP, who you'd put up? Oh there. man, Christ! Um, I'd have to go. Jeez, yeah, but probably got to put Rory McDonald up there. Yep, that's who I have too. Yep. Yeah, um, and then the next two, shit. Um, <laughs> Putting you on the spot, man. I'm gonna go with my, you know, this guy. I think he's a personal friend and training partner, and, and it didn't doesn't really get the credit that he deserved. I think was Antonio Carvalho. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know he 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 fought in the UFC and uh, you know he got he got cut from the UFC at two and two, uh, and then he had such an extensive career in Japan and people don't really know a lot about that. Right. Uh, but yeah, he'd be up there. And then for the last one, man, I'd have to put. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough. I'll go, I'll go with I'll go with my my boy Sammy Stout. You know? Sam Stout. That's who I have too. Yeah, right. there you go. yeah. <laughs> yes. Sammy's. You know him and him and Hominick both. You know they're they're you know. 
legends in Canada Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely, the, the push-ups, the push-ups that Hominick would do no matter what after the fight were always fucking legendary. Um, so yeah, I had Rory, I had Sam Stout, and then yeah. just from a personal like love pick, I put Goodrich on there because there, yeah. he's got yeah. one of the he's got one of those almost like those sound bitey kind of highlights from the oh, early that, UFC that. <laughs> yes. that was yeah. when he got yeah. the guy the guy like the crucifix <laughs> and he elbowed him to, into outer space so that's why oh, that was bad that's that was why bad. big goodrich got on the list for me too man but yeah <laughs> that's very cool um since I'm a since I'm a total fucking nerd for food, I'm a I'm just a nerd. Like bizarre foods is one of my favorite yeah. shows of all time uh, for different countries' cuisine. So poutine is widely considered to be the quintessential cuisine of yeah. Canada. Do yeah. you have another dish that you think supersedes that? That is more truly Canadian that I may not know about being a uh, being a state United States guy. Fuck. You know, I'm not. I don't even like poutine. To be is honest. that right? That's, I don't like gravy, yeah. but I love fries and I love cheese, so I'm sure I would love it. <laughs> you probably love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I probably would. Um, Canadian dish, man. Um, we don't really have like that's not anything that's really like set directly. We have like uh, I'm just thinking like dessert wise. You know, we have this fucking beaver tails. You know, I ever have those? No. No, it's like a like kind of like a pastry with like cinnamon and and uh, um, icing on it and stuff. It's kind of like a Cinnabon style thing, but it's a pretty cool dessert. I mean, we have those all the time up here. Really? No, that's I don't know all the time, but <laughs> I've never had one. I've never even heard of oh, it. Oh yeah, I'll I guess def- that's pretty Canadian, right? Beaver tail. Well, fucking a. That's, <laughs> that's as Canadian as it gets. Um, yeah. yeah, that's definitely something I'm gonna look up and try to recreate or find. Um, yeah. So, Josh, what like during downtime? What are some of the things that the gentleman likes to do? I mean, obviously, family time is important, but I mean, when it's just time for you to take time with yourself or with your buddies, what are some things you like to do? Video games, hunt. You know, what what do we got going? Uh, I'm not much of a gamer. I mean, if if I was to play video games, I'm an old school gamer, man. I I still have N64. Nice. You know, all about that. Oh yeah, Mario Kart, <laughs> yeah. Goldeneye, Tony oh, Hawk. Fuck yeah, Goldeneye. Yeah. Odd job with fucking grenades. That's how I. See yeah, that's it. my guy. Odd job. <laughs> Is that so right? Me too. You know? <laughs> um, so I'd be old school um, video games like that. But uh, I, I'm a big like I'm a big movie fan. You know, what I mean, I'm a um, horror movies. I mean, you could probably tell. In the, I do see back. the Halloween and the Nightmare on <laughs> Elm Street Dream Warriors here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would say yeah, I love just sitting down and, and just chilling, watching any movies. But um, you know, horror movies are, are definitely close to my heart for sure. Very cool. There's a lot of people on. Uh, there's a lot of people in the MMA Twitter community who they fall into one of the two categories. And unfortunately, I'm really neither. But uh, anime is big amongst the MMA crowd, which I've never. It's just not <laughs> uh, my not thing. Me, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, horror yeah. movies. I'm not really a horror movie guy. I'm kind of a documentary nerd. So I, I like uh, documentaries too. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if there's a sports theme. You know, like all the 30 for 30s from Those ESPN are, are just, just the sickest things in the world. And then, uh, yeah. you know, Netflix has come out with some pretty cool documentaries as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a big nerd for that. But, yeah, I, for those of you who are at home who cannot see, he really does have a Halloween yeah. the movie <laughs> poster in the background. I got, I got more here. I got, you know, I got Texas Chainsaw Masters <laughs> over here. I got <laughs> yeah. What makes a fighter more scared than being a really good fighter? Being a really good fighter who's obsessed with horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Josh, I know you just fought a couple Fridays ago, but do we have any idea about like when, where the next scrap might be? Uh, any opponent names getting floated to you at all or anything like that? 
I'm no, nothing yet. No, um, I, I, I would, I don't want a long break. I would love to get back in there like May or June. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, get right back in there as far as opponents, they haven't said anything yet. Um, I, I would love it if they did a grand prix. Yeah, you know what I mean? dude. They did heavyweight, they did welterweight, they're doing featherweight right now. Um, so I mean, they have enough, they have a lot of good 35ers now. So I think they could definitely could do one. Um, don't know if they're going to, but I would be on board for that if, if they did. Yeah, that would be very cool. Our, we, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, Josh and I have a mutual friend and Dave Fretz. Um, mm. the, the, the thing that Dave said the other day was, and I don't know if you caught it or saw it, but he, he threw out, um, Sergio Pettis. As a yeah. possible opponent on the right, like, yeah. and my, I mean, dude, the the spider senses started tingling. That would be one that would be just amazing to that'd watch, dude. Yeah, that'd be a good. One. I, you know, I've, I watched his last fight and he looked good. Um, you know, I, I've I've seen him fight, you know, for the last few years now. He, uh, is good. He, he's a well-rounded guy. Obviously, his striking is probably his, his best, um, you know, best uh, weapon. But um, yeah, I think that matchup. Would be awesome. I, I really like that one. Oh, I'm glad to hear you say that because yeah, I was so stoked when you brought it because I didn't even think about that one. I was thinking about it. that was fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> all right, so Josh, the greatest export from your home country to mine, the United States. You get to pick between these three. All right. All right. Jim Carrey, oh. Pamela Anderson, or Tim Hortons. What is the best export? From y'all <laughs> to us. <laughs> oh man. I mean, Timmy's, I love Timmy's coffee. And I got a lot of buddies here that are like prestigious coffee and they like the, like the, you know, they think Timmy's the shit, but I love it. Right. Um, but I gotta, I gotta go with Jim Carrey, man. Yes. I, I, I love Jim, man. I said, like, I was talking with somebody the other day and they're like, if, who, who would you love to like sit, like what actor would you love to sit down with and just like have dinner and shoot the shit with? And I'm like, Jim Carrey. Oh you Yeah. Know? Jim Carrey and Will Ferrell are probably the, my two favorite oh, comedic actors in the I, history of the world. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's absolutely hilarious. And uh, and, and even more so now, like, have you ever, do you follow him all on Instagram or anything like that now? I don't follow him on IG, but yeah, I, I follow him on Twitter. Whoever has Twitter, I definitely follow those guys. He's like, I don't know, he, he's he's a lot different outside of his, you know, his, in acting now. He's like really like, I guess kind of spiritual and, and whatnot, but he's he's pretty like, it's cool, man. I, I I've always loved Jim. I've loved to meet him and to just like like I said, shoot the shit. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, I co-signed that too. Dumb and Dumber, and then uh, is what is probably my favorite Jim Carrey movie. And then me myself, you... Irene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, when uh, but the scene I was going to talk about was uh, in Ace Ventura when he is inside of the mechanical rhino. And he burrows out the back. <laughs> when my nickname is Rhino, I can't tell you how many times I've been gifted that by my buddies being oh, like, that's a good oh, one, oh, oh, look at you getting Jim Carrey coming out your ass. So, yeah, that one has a special place in my heart for me for sure. Uh, yeah, it's definitely who I would have picked as well. Um, so, finally, Josh, we like I say on this show, we are careening towards the end of 10 rounds with Rhino. We are in oh, the shit. final round. We are in the, we are in the home stretch. So... Imagine, my friend, it is a few years down the road. You've had this long, illustrious run at the top. You're the champion of the 135-pound division. Uh, fortunately for you, they're catering this whole event to you. It's at the Scotiabank Arena, not too far from your hometown. All the friends and family are there. You, this is the fight you've already announced. You're going to ride off into the sunset afterwards, win, lose, or draw. This is the last one. You're going to retire on top, Josh. Uh, who are you fighting, and how... Would you win that fight? Who am I fighting? Oh yeah, you got to pick. Like, 
Um, I got, you want me to pick like a 35 or now that like a 35 or now, or maybe somebody, you know, who is on the come up, who you think in a few years would be a title contender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe you think, man, I, I apologize. I should have forewarned <laughs> you. This was going to be bubble gum and popsicles, dude. I got to make you think. I got to show the people what a smart guy you are. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay. So, um, you know, obviously I want that, um, you know, I'm, I'm fighting <laughs> 130 for the first 135 pounds of strap and, um, I'm fighting, I don't know. Let's go crazy. Patricio Pitbull. I dropping. love it. That's exactly what I wrote down. I wrote down Pitbull. No shit. <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote down. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you're fighting Pitbull. How do you win the fight? You can tell me how, how you sub or how you KO. How, what, what are you thinking? It's a knockout, man. It's knockout. A knockout. First round. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you, you gotta. You, that's what you're shooting for, right? Right. right. So, I mean, yeah, he's you know the 55 champ, 45. You know, I think he even said like he possibly could drop to 35. Um, you know, he'd be a big 35er, but sure. I mean, what? How bigger of a name could you get if you you know if you beat the could be triple champ? You know what I mean? Right, exactly. So I wrote, I wrote because I yeah I kind of did the same thing where I didn't care if they were a 55er or a 25er, just anybody in the in the realm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. wrote I wrote Pitbull, Caldwell, uh, even Pico. Caldwell. I was like, yeah. I was like, anybody is anywhere near there. I would love to see that fight. Uh so yeah, that's how that's how Josh the Gentleman Hill would ride off into the sunset <laughs> at, at Scotiabank Arena a few years down the road, beating Pitbull for the 135 pound belt. <laughs> My first round KO, you heard it here first. If this happens in a few years, we'll just know that I'm Kreskin and so is Josh. <laughs> and we, we do it all along. So once again, man, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you coming on, Josh. It's uh, it's really, really cool. My fans love it. Everybody listens to the show. They love hearing a fighter just kind of talk and kind of get to know your personality more than what we just, the little snippets we see on TV. So yeah. I really appreciate you taking your time, man. And yeah, we'll we'll check back in with you after your next fight if that's cool with you. Yeah, man. Yeah, thank you. This is super cool. Absolutely. Um, Like I said, I don't know when it is yet. I'm hoping May or June. Um, But yeah, let's, let's uh, shoot the shit again for sure. Wow, what a cool interview, man. It was very, you know, I wasn't super familiar with Josh Hill's career. I'd seen him fought Marlon uh, the two times in the WSOF, but I didn't have much else to go on. So very interesting to get in, get in, get in there with the uh, Rhino gang, uh, have him be a part of that with us. We we're super stoked to have him. So once again, man, as, speaking of the Rhino gang, I want to give my shout-outs to everybody. Uh, thanks to Phil. For the MMA dude from the Split Decision Podcast, Serious King, for your guys' write-in questions, the call-in questions with Ryan, Mixed the Man, my boy Jim Assoon, the king of Twitter, as I love to call him, uh, Juice, with your very elevated <laughs> fucking question you had, um, my homie Mr. T, dude, Mr. B, uh, Gator, I mean, everybody, all the fellows of the Rhino Gang, all the ladies, Deja, Drea, my homie G, the ladies from the TKO podcast, Chelsea and Delilah, Laura Purple Pants. I mean, everybody who is supportive. Uh, Pixie, man, awesome, awesome stuff. This last week, you've made me laugh a ton on Twitter. Pokemama, all my dear friends, you guys really make the show go. You are the fuel of the engine, and I'm going to say it every week. Some people get annoyed too bad because these are the people who have supported me from the beginning, and I, I cannot do the show without you. So that being said, I want to give a big shout-out to all you guys. Um, yeah, dude, I'm really looking forward to next weekend's fight, so it's going to be a big fucking deal with the two championships on the line. So for for myself, the Rhino, uh, 
from my man, Dave Rains. Oh, I definitely would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Dave Fretz and his little boy Judah for their hilarious question and awesome question today, buddy. Thanks so much. And once again, we will see you guys next week, Cage Side.